Time flies by, ladies and gentlemen. This is already episode number five of the Cult Podcast. My name is Ramon and you're joining me today in my kitchen because it got quite cold in Germany, specifically in Frankfurt, where my studio is located. So I didn't want to move out today because of freezing. So yeah, you're joining me in my kitchen today. And if there is some rattling noise in the background... Bear with me because it might be my fridge, so <laughs> hopefully it doesn't sound different from the other episodes, but yeah. Let me lose a few words about this podcast um, before we begin with our guest today. Um, the first intention when I started this podcast is that I wanted to have real and honest conversations with photographers and Yeah, after thinking a lot and after the last one and a half episodes, I decided that um, all the episodes that are coming now are going up unedited for the sake of honesty and transparency. And yeah, it's actually the way I think this podcast is supposed to be. And yeah, let's see how that turns out. So unedited interviews from now on. Before we start with our guest today, Kapish, let me lose a few words about our sponsor for uh, this podcast. The sponsor is PicDrop. PicDrop is uh, an image transfer tool for professionals. And yeah, basically I use it for transferring files and images to my clients and get instant feedback and yeah pretty much an alternative to stuff like WeTransfer or Dropbox uh, with a beautiful online gallery where yeah where everything is presented quite nicely so if you want to check it out I've put a link below which gives you gives you the first three months of PicDrop for free so check it out and hopefully you like it Our guest today is Kalpis Lothikra. He's born in 1971 in London and he yeah, he got a new, numerous awards, for example, the W. Eugene Smith Fellowship, uh, World Press Photo Award and Lightwork Residency. And in this episode, we're talking about his personal projects as well as his uh, commercial approach and... Yeah, it was a hell of a nice talk and I'm really, really looking forward to put this up. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it and have fun. Hey, Carl, how are you doing and how has your day been so far? Hey, Rob, I'm all right, mate. Uh, it's been good. I, my body's hurting me. I was boxing yesterday. After three months of not training, so uh, it was tough. But then I went to have my commission this afternoon, which was a. Uh, I met this really great Moroccan artist. On on a Sunday. On a Sunday, he runs this amazing shop. But uh, I met him for the first time, and I always mm -hmm. go go coffee opposite his shop. But I never went to the mm. shop, and uh, he's he's amazing. I mean, he's shown all over the world, and he thinks when I got there, he was actually photographing and making a video of a dancer from New oh, York. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. So it was a commission Amazing. for a magazine. It was a commission for the FT How to Spend It magazine. So that's like the sister magazine of the of the main Saturday magazine. So of the Financial Times, I, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, like 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 a kind of more of a fashion 
lifestyle supplement. But the but the photo editor there is Katie Webb, who used to be at the Telegraph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, ah, I see. And okay. Yeah, yeah, and she's great because she used to work with like my like people who I really admired, like Stefan Ruiz. Mm-hmm, uh, Doug mm-hmm. Dubois, you know Michael Collins. So she worked with loads and loads of different photographers, and so I, you know, when she called me, I was like more than happy to work for her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you are you doing a lot of these these um, more lifestyle uh, magazine assignments lately, or no, not really. Uh, I've been doing kind <laughs> of uh, a mix. I mean, the last assignment besides this one was for Bloomberg. Okay, uh, okay, New yeah. York for, for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was from New York, and that, that was kind of in Oslo, but that. On the whole, I, I kind of less lifestyle, more supplements, and kind of more. I I've been trying to work with more kind of more interesting uh, magazines uh, rather than rather than the rather than. I mean, I like working for the usual, you know, uh, weekend ones. But I've been trying to experiment and get out there and see people who are publishing maybe only two, three times a year, yeah, and uh, and, try, and trying to get interesting commissions from them because there's a. I think there's a little bit more um, scope for. Uh, experimentation. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I done a great job. You know, there's a there's a fantastic design company called BAM here, B A M. No, never and, heard of them. Uh, oh no, you've got to see these guys. I mean, they they do different magazines and publications and books. So they just just so I think Daniel Shea just had one of his books designed by them. Oh wow! Okay, Bam London is it Bam B A M London? Yeah, yeah, B M A, yeah, B M A London, yeah. Yeah, okay, and, I see. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. They do they so they do Christie's magazine, and it was great. You know, it's like I went down to the I went to photograph with an uh, artist who was eighty four years old, but it was just like you know it's a it was a different vibe, and it was yeah, great. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks looks super nice. I'm just at the website at the moment. Oh, Maxime did a book there. All right. Mm, okay. Mm. And I tell you, I mean, like, like this year I had a meeting with them and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I spent an hour and a half with them, Ramon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I spent, like an hour and a half inside, inside the office with them having a laugh. With your, with your portfolio present? or Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took my portfolio. I took a print portfolio. So I, don't take, I don't take it digital. I take prints. Uh, and I took my book along with me, and you know the great thing about the conversation was really about art and photography and and friends we all knew in common, you know. So they they get the they get the idea of of contemporary photography quite well. I I, I mean oh, looking completely. at it, it's, yeah, it's super nice. I mean it, this looks like a bit for me. I, we are right inside of the topics right now, but um, this looks for me like like the a bit a bit of the future of, of publications, you know. It's like this well-made corporate magazines, like Christie's mm. magazine, for example. What do you think about that? I definitely think I've noticed a change in the in the my, in the last year, maybe year and a half. That uh, like, certainly the people I'm working for more are contract publishers, who are you know you know they're not the, they're not from the the, the journalist uh, side of it, from like whether it's the FT or Telegraph or whoever. It's more to do with these companies who are working alongside design companies and they're producing these amazing pieces of work because i mean like like when i got the christie's when i got the christie's magazine come for the post it smelt it smelt good it <laughs> no, felt really? good yeah yeah and then and then you look at the design of it you think oh my god these guys get it you know so i think you know certainly the future of publishing certainly and 
you know, I think also for freedom for artists to go and make work, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's a different way of working. But certainly I think to myself that um, I've seen the, the trajectory change. You know, more and more, more and more people are doing this kind of work. Um, you know, across the across the world, certainly. I mean, there is. I mean, I mean, magazines declining. I just read that the fader uh, just um, kicked some people out. So, like traditional magazines that are not uh, sponsored content, you know, they they lose ah. traction a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, is that um, right? I mean, I don't know if it's just rumors or something, but it, I mean, uh, somebody posted it on Instagram, but anyway, ah. um, what, what do you think about, I mean, all these corporations like getting into corporate publishing and stuff like that and having, having like proper journalistic content, but uh, don't you think they're interfering there or what's the, what's your take on that? Okay. So I think you have to be really careful because the thing is that, so the people I work for, I try to make sure, certainly from my point of view, that if, the, if I'm doing a commission, it's, it, the people I'm working for aren't, aren't treading that political line, if that makes sense for you. Uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I done a commission. I won't tell you which client it was, okay? But um, I would be very careful about working for them again because it was, def it was definitely on the wrong side of the line and uh because you know it's how do you how do you say it um like like it's like a laundry mm -hmm. you see mm -hmm. like a laundry. yeah yeah yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, whitewashing it, 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 whitewashing so you have to be i you know i and i learned my lesson from that i thought myself you know what that's dodgy i don't really want to... so the people i'm working for now are kind of they're quite interesting and and i and I, I agree with you you have to be I came from a, I came from a, I came from a photojournalism background growing up and being a photographer, and you know now I'm more towards kind of I guess documentary fine art portraiture. But the thing is that I think I, th I think you got to know which side of the line you are because otherwise I think I think it gets very very uh, murky. You know, um. let's come back to that in a second, because um, I, I want to start at the beginning, which uh, which I, I think uh, we can take over in the same topic afterwards. But um, mm -hmm. let us let us let us just get back to to your background just a little, you know, um, sure, sure, where, sure. Did you, where did you grow up and how did you get into photography? And uh, I'm coming to a point of this afterwards, but just uh, let's start about that. Sure. So I am an East London boy. I was born in Forest Gate, which is like mm -hmm. proper East London. Uh, my grandparents are from India. They mm -hmm. emigrated to East Africa. So one side of the family went to Zanzibar, the other side were in yeah. Kenya. And okay. then my father came here in 65, my mom 69. I was born here in the 70s. And mm -hmm. I studied, so I done my you know, usual school education, but then I went to do law at degree level. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I done two years of law. And then I was like, this isn't for me. And so my girlfriend, who's now my wife, was was in. She was in the arts, and uh, and so some of my friends were in the arts, and so they were doing graphic design. So I got introduced to like like Rothko or Jasper mm. Johns, and you know, and mm -hmm. I I I didn't know anything about this world. It was completely new to me. So I was like, wow. And then she went and bought me a, a book. It was Cartier Bresson in India, mm -hmm. okay. and I was like, I thought myself, wow, I could do this. This is something I could do. So. While I was studying <laughs> nice, the law, yeah. I was yeah, I was studying the law, and I started to, to develop my own film inside my inside my uh, accommodation. You know, just black and mm -hmm. white processing. I got with a fifty pound Fuji 
car camera. And then I thought, you know what? This is great. So I left. I just dropped out of my university course. Uh, I went to evening classes at St. Martin's College of Art. Uh, so it's a fam- you know, fam- famous central school of you know, central St. Martin's. Doing evening classes, and I was work. I was working in the in the daytime at the Gap, body shop, wherever paid the bills. Yeah, and um, after after doing that for maybe twelve weeks, I went onto a local education course which I hated, and so then I, I found this course at the London College of Printing, which is LCP. They call it LCC now, and they do a they done a, a postgraduate in photojournalism, and um, I, I got an interview, and then. At the interview, the fire alarm went off, so the so the so the course director took me for a coffee, and I you know I I was so passionate about photography that you know I knew what was going on in my head and and so he offered me a place. He said, "Yeah, you can, you can come on the course." So oh, nice, yeah, yeah, a lucky Ramon, lucky. But anyway, I got on the course and uh, I was it was good. I learned some stuff, and then I had some mentors there who kind of introduced me while I was on the course to the Independent magazine. So this is what this is when Colin Jacobson was like the picture editor, like at that time in in the late like well the nineties in the nineties early nineties. Um, like if you if you imagine like at the moment the FT magazine in the UK is like the magazine people want to work for. So I so at that time the Independent was the magazine. So while I was at college, this this guy Colin Jacobson gave me two or three commissions, and I was like, my God, I I can't believe it. I'm a college student. And like the best photo director is giving me to work. And Were you nervous they, on the assignment? Um, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> God, it was like the like you you could you can imagine like like I was like yeah. I, was, you know, I was like nineteen years old, eight, 19, 19 and a half, and uh, I was like, oh my God! So this is you know black and white film, no digital in those days, you know, like <laughs> yeah, of course, know, F- of course, two FM twos, Tri-X film, available light, <laughs> no flash, nothing. So. Did the job and then, you know, it went, oh, okay. And then what happened was he said to me, I want you to go downstairs and I want you to find this man called Keith Dobdy. And he was the deputy photo editor of the newspaper, the Independence newspaper. And he goes, They do a scholarship. He said, They do a scholarship for one photographer. Uh, maybe you should try for this. So I went downstairs, Ramon, in the lift. Mm-hmm, I came mm-hmm. out of the lift and the first man I spoke to, I said to him, I'm looking for Keith Dobney. And he goes, That's yeah. me. All right. right. So, All first, right. Wow. so it, wow. it's like serendipity, yeah. So yeah. I said to him, Colin sent me down. He was I should apply for this interview for this scholarship. So they gave me the details. They said, "Come on this day for the interview." So I went there, right, and I took like ten ideas with me. I took five ideas or features, five news ideas. Had the interview, and then a week later, they said, "You got the job." All right. So, wow. Cool. So I spent one year on the staff of the newspaper learning to be a news photographer. And I had these great photographers, like press photographers, Brian Harris, David Rose, Tom Pilston. These guys taught me the, the game, you know, how to how to go out there and make pictures. And we had dark rooms. We had these printers, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I kind of learned in that year, I learned a lot. And then they kept me on for three days a week doing freelance work for seven years. Yeah. So I was a newspaper guy, you know. And then one day I'm driving in, in 2000 and... Uh, um, I, I see the High Court of London and I look and I think, my God, is that going to be me in, when I'm 40 years old just being like <laughs> shooting, at, you know, like, not like paparazzi, but, you know, just outside. I thought, i got to stop this. And that year, I, I, I won a world press and I, and I, and I kind of just thought, uh, 
you know, it's a millennium and, 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 and an argument with one of the pitch editors and I was like, I'm done. Okay. And so I okay. told, yeah. So I told my, um, one of my other pitch editors, please don't commission me, uh, to work for the paper. And she, like, oh, wow. she was great because, hard, yeah, because it was a hard cut then, hard cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah, because I, because I had to uh, take away my byline from being a newspaper photographer, from being a newspaper photographer, and I wanted to work for magazines. And so, I, 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 for the next two years, I was like shooting weddings. I was doing personal mm. work, and then I was trying to build my relationship with the magazines. Mm. And, was it so uh, different was it so different back then like shooting for a newspaper it, it uh, secluded you from from shooting for a magazine or yeah yeah absolutely like today it's so different like in those days if you were a newspaper photographer you would not be used by the magazine or you would be not used for anything anything more than that you you know you had the magazine guys or girls and you had the newspaper people why so do you think it was that way so, oh, sorry yeah why, course, you... yeah why um You know what? I think in those days, I think it was slightly snobbish. Like, you know, there was this kind of uh, lines that weren't being crossed. And I think people weren't... Like today, you know, it's like everything goes. You can all mix stuff up. But in those days, there was very defined, defined lines of fashion, news, photojournalism, portraiture. They're all defined. Um, and it became I mean, difficult same... to cross over. Yeah, I mean it's a bit of the same today. If you're if you're shooting weddings, you declassify yourself from I don't know oh, shooting yeah. shooting shooting magazines, for example. It's kind of yeah. the same, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I would certainly say I would say that if you're shooting weddings, and like you know, I would say like when I shot, if I shoot a wedding now, I usually shoot my friends' weddings, and they're usually photo editors or they're art directors, and like I'll do maybe two a year, but it's like. I, I I don't advertise it because it's really not the thing, <laughs> you know. Because I, it's, it's, it, and it's terrible because the thing is that weddings, in terms of business, wedding yeah. photographers make a lot of money, and it's great. Yeah, yeah of can, course. You know, and I certainly know that. I'm sure there's photographers who, you know, across the whole lot who shoot weddings and just don't say it because it's it's not good for your CV, you know. But <laughs> yeah, right. um, you know, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a form of income. You know, you, yeah, of course, and, and it's good to avoid. It's good to avoid taxes, anyway. You, get, oh, sure, <laughs> you yeah, get yeah, a yeah. you like, get a lot of cash hand. money. Yeah, cash that's perfect. But it's like, yeah, it's great. I mean, I mean, I think going back to what you're saying, I mean, I think in like in so in those days, it was difficult, and yeah, I had to reinvent myself and get the respect from the magazines. And I was lucky; I had a few photo editors on the magazine who who sort of took me underneath their wing. And started giving me work, and then I started seeing NGOs like you know UNICEF, UN Save the Children. You know what and, were the first magazines? With... What were the first magazines you've been working for then? Uh, the, it was actually funny enough. It was the Independent magazine. Oh right, know? okay. Yeah, because oh, yeah. like what happened was that they no no. So the thing was that when I left the newspaper, uh, it took me some time. But there was a, there was a, a photo editor. I still know him. He's still a friend of mine called Nick Hall and he'd come from the Observer to the Independent. Okay. And he, yeah. and he knew I he knew I was working and he'd seen the work I was doing and he said to me, listen, come here, we'll do some stuff together. So he started giving me work. And then I went to the Telegraph. So at that time Cheryl Newman was the deputy. She was a deputy photo editor and, and she gave me some work. And there was another girl there afterwards called Krishna Sheth who was like she was She, so Krishna is from the same, like, I think, like, she's an Indian from her family from Kenya. 
And, and so, uh, when she, so I went to, uh, to receive an award one day, and she saw me on stage. And she got, she said, she found Cheryl. She found Cheryl. She was there's an Indian photographer on stage who can shoot pictures, right? And <laughs> no because, shit, because, no shit. Yeah, wow. be, yeah, because because over here at that time, to be honest with you, there was only like two or three of us who are working, who are Indian or people of color working in in in, in kind of mainstream editorial, you know. So yeah. So you know, slowly, slowly, you know, I started to get my name around, and also, you know, in those days, Ramon, there was only like the agencies that were in the UK were like Magnum network ipg they were they were the three big ones and so i kind of knew the people operating and working and so people took me underneath their wing you know they looked up i was still young you know so people were looking after me helping me and guiding me and uh i think that smoothed my path a bit more into the industry um you know but then you know changes were coming again you know Yeah, yeah. and what about what? Yeah, what about? I mean, did you start, uh, for example, Lost in the Wilderness and around that time, or was it later? No, it was later. So what happened? Was later, later. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'd done a big project on uh, widows in India, which was called The Brides of Krishna. So that was very photojournalism, like black and white, uh, like like Salgado or Natchway. You know, these were my heroes at the time, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I won. I won. I won some grant money from the like the uh, Eugene Smith Fund and um, from the Winston Churchill Fellowships. I got these big grants, and I was shooting this project in India. And then what happened was that I had like an epiphany. Um, I couldn't work out why I couldn't photograph the spirituality. I said, "How can I tell this story differently?" So I started experimenting with with different cameras. I started using a Holger. I got I got myself a five four camera with Polaroid fifty five, you know, the oh, wow. film, yeah. and I started mixing yeah. it all up. And I thought myself, this is interesting, yeah. And so the, that work changed my attitude about the idea of how you tell stories and how you change the narrative of storytelling. And so then what happened? I was on a fashion job in in Liverpool, and I went to a gallery showing Lost in the Wild. No, sorry, showing um. Uh, oh my God, Sleepy by the Mississippi, right? Sorry, Sleepy by Alex oh, Ross, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah, and yeah, I yeah. never and I and I'd never seen this work before. And I was and I didn't even know I didn't know people shot like this. I was like, ah, oh, so that's how you shoot color, right? And um, so I went to so I went to New York, I went to New York, and my friend gave me this book called Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee by D Brown on on a Native yeah. Amer American experience, and it ended in Wounded Knee. And then he took me to I don't know I don't know in New York if you know this place called the Strand Bookshop. Nope. nope. It's, it's, so the, okay, no. so the Strand is like a really famous bookstore in in, mm -hmm. in in New York. It's like old, right? But it's got amazing, amazing, amazing aura about it. Anyway, so he took me there and he goes to me, right? You need to look at Stephen Shaw. You need to look at William Eggleston. You need to look at Mitch Epstein. Like I knew none of these people. I didn't know any of their work, you know. So <laughs> suddenly it was like nice. this new new education for me. And I was like, okay, so this is the way I want to work. So then I went off. Then then I went off in two thousand four, two thousand five to uh to kind of look at the reservation, look look at what's happening for for Lost in the Wilderness. And I took some digital cameras first, and then it wasn't working. And then I. Then I took. Then I got two medium formats. I got. I got the Mamiya Sevens, and just went. What was your initial? I mean, you read this book, but um, like um, maybe regarding your uh, your background, was for what was your initial uh, motivation to start this project? Oh, Lost in the Wilderness. Uh, the initial. Yeah. I mean, I. So the initial motivation was that there was two things. One that I didn't want to work 
in the developing world anymore. Like in terms of, I'd worked in so many countries in Africa and I'd worked in Asia and I was just like, I was burnt out by that. And I just wanted to go to work in a, work in a new, new different country uh, and probably more from a, from the Western perspective rather than from the kind of, from the kind of development. But um, I still was interested in doing uh, work within forgotten communities. So, you know, so when I grew up in the UK, Ramon, see, my experience over here was shaped by uh, American civil rights and, and, and by, and by African American civil rights and by um, civil rights in the UK amongst uh, people of color. So I, most of my friends were from the Caribbean. So I grew up with, with guys who are from Jamaica, Trinidad, Antigua. So the books that I read at that time were like like autobiography, autobiography of Malcolm X or Soul on Ice by Eldridge Cleaver, you know, James Baldwin. This is the stuff I'd been kind of known about. But I never knew nothing about Native American civil rights or human rights. That was one thing mm, that kind of I like, see. Yeah. you know, so that was, that was going on in my head. And then also I started thinking about, so what is it to be Indian and how do people, the idea of Indian, you know, so like some people, when we play cowboys in Indians, was like, you be the Indian. So it kind of made me think to my head, like, where is this coming from? And then the whole colonial uh, aftermath for whether it's from India, Africa, and I thought about America. So those were the motivations and the ideas were playing in my head Yeah. Uh, to go over, mostly but forgotten communities, you know, so I, I, I decided to go. Check it out, but you know, I found it by luck. You know, in the sense that uh, my my uh, introduction to the community there, the Oglala community, was because there was a woman here who was raising money for a propane gas for them. Because it, oh, you know, yeah. the winters okay. are, well, the winters are very cold there, yeah. so uh, she put me in touch with a, a, a Garvard Goodplume, who is an elder there, and he smoothed my journey into the place. And I went there, and it, you know. The rest I made how, the work. How long did you? Uh, yeah, how long did you work on that project? About five years. All including? So I got, yeah, five years back. Yeah, so I was going back and forth. So I'd go there when I had some money. You know, I'd go there because I had to buy film, pay for the flights, and then I was also uh, paying. So Garvard was my fixer there. So yeah, I'd have money to to pay him. I had to pay the fuel money for like because normally I'd land in I'd land in New York. And then me and, me, me and my friend, like Mark, this guy, the guy who gave me the book, Mark would come with me and he would drive across. So we had to pay, I didn't, you know, I, I'd, I'd put the money in, you know, so like I'd pay Mark some yeah, money yeah. for coming and assisting and all this stuff. But more importantly, I had to let the work mm -hmm. evolve. You know, I had to let the work evolve because yeah. to make cliches there is very easy. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Um, but tell me a little bit more about the community there. So what did you experience when you when you've been there so, frequent times? Okay, so the, the I would say there was a lot of dark humor. Um one of the so what so so one of the funniest things was they always say to me, you know, so Columbus should have found you guys first. So by that they were saying, <laughs> you know, you know, Columbus was trying to find India and he was like Yeah, came across came across the new world, uh, and they said, you know, so that was a very funny thing. Um, the community, uh, it's it's. I was very lucky, Ramon. Look, the thing is that, you know, I'm I, I'm a person of color. It's easy for me. It's because we have a we have a shared experience uh, of, of of the kind of col the idea of colonialism. So, you know, I was very I was warmly welcomed. People were great with me. I was given access, um, and you know, there is poverty there. There's no denying it. You know, you could you can see it there. But there's also a real richness of holding on to the culture, um, and, and people, you know, pe people just, you know, they 
they they they give you everything they have. You know, they welcome you into the house, um, and they also were teaching me about what was important to photograph. You know, so okay, okay, not not you know that I made one photograph of a person with a with with a headdress on, yeah. And one of the things was they they said said to me, you know, like how many of these are you? And I said, well, I'm only going to do one. He goes, you know, they were saying that's great because that's they want to show a different side of their culture. It's not just the uh, powwows and you know going on a horse somewhere. Mm, I see. Yeah. So yeah. they were they they were educating me as much as I was learning about you know their culture. Um, uh, you know, but uh, it's it, there's a lot of kind of I think the the thing is that. See, there's a lot of mis mis um, interpretation about Native American Native Americans. So some tribes make some good money from casinos and things like that, but there's other tribes who don't, you know. And then some of the like the land, you know, the land that they're on in uh, in South Dakota is not great for growing things. So you know, food mm, and mm, these diseases. Uh, but I mean, generally, just to say to what you asked, I mean, it's the community are fantastic, you know. They, they 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 are trying to educate. They're trying to you know there are problems there. There's youth suicide. There's gangs. There's all of these things. But despite that all, they're still strong. They are they, you know they they're having a la- the language revival is happening. You know, they're fighting for the environment. Are they are they pretty much protected there, or does it feel like they're they're about to be vanished? Oh from no! Different... I, no, no, no! I think the only thing that will that will the, the only thing about I think the culture and their heritage will always remain. I think the thing the difficulty is more about currently what happens with the environment, what happens with the land. You know, so the the reservation I was on very close to that reservation is Standing Rock. So you've had the whole thing with the pipeline. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. So that was going yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard in the sense that you know, if if, if you want to leave the reservation, there, there, you know, there are only few a few opportunities to do this. So, you know, some young men end up joining the army, you know, because they provide education and stuff like. That. Those are the hard things. I mean, they will survive. They've survived for thousands of years, and they will continue to survive. But you know, my my hope is that their civil rights and human rights are respected because. That's one of the big factors is that when you look at Native American human rights, they're being trampled yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. Mm, I see. Yeah. Um, let's let's speak about the colonial aspect of of photography because um, when I when I stumble upon work by let's say guys like me, like white male photographers, and mm-hmm. they pretty much, I mean, you know, like talking about. For um, a guy like me, like doing this project without any background in in colonialism and and uh, no experience in racism, right. um, it, it it would it would feel like I'm colonializing with uh, with photography. What's your what's your take on that? I mean, there are a oh. lot of guys out there who are doing these projects, you know. And right. Okay. So without I would the say background. To, sure. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse it back just a little bit for you. Mm. So I so mm-hmm. I grew up here, right, in the UK. Now, my early, my early education in photography was the same as yours, in the sense that your experience, I, I was going off and I was parachuting into places. You know, I'd worked in like Malawi, I was doing HIV, I was doing, you know, tough photojournalism stories, but I was, I was producing the work that, of the outsider, you know, so I had the same mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and okay. it's only because, mm-hmm. it's, it's so, you know, the change came with me because I started researching more and trying different ideas. I think, I think 
anybody can go off and make great pictures and make you know and make interesting and pictures with respect i don't i don't think you should stop whether you're a white person whether you're a black person or whatever you should you, you should have the freedom to make work but i think if you're going to make work with communities that have been colonized or they or there are kind of issues there that need to be uh, represented i think collaboration with those communities is, is the way forward i think also you know um that, like I think you have to be sincere, and I think really sincere. Uh, you know, certainly my experience, I can tell you from my experience, I've, I've worked with some people who speak a lot about sincerity, but actually it's all about the visual, visual things. I think at the moment, I think, we've got, I, th- I think we have a big problem, like I would say, like with South Africa, is that I think a lot of like, South African photographers who are black South African photographers aren't getting their fair dues uh but i think you know it got you know going back to what you're saying i think anybody can anybody should be able to make pictures but i think you should collaborate i think you should know your history um and i think it's also about gaze how you look at stuff mm-hmm. i mean sincerity comes from education as well yes, so yes, i mean if yeah, you know yeah. if you know nothing about about uh, about the issues and the topics and you just mm-hmm. go in there because it's visually appealing it's certainly the wrong way um completely yeah, yeah that's a good that's a good point yeah mm-hmm. go ahead i think i think no i think it's exactly what you're saying education less ignorance and collaboration i mean i would say to you even with me right Like I'm working on a new project in India. I'm working in, in India at the moment, trying to make a new project there. I am physically and mentally stopping myself from making pictures that exoticize Indians, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's and is, that, is city by the sea. Is yeah, it city by yeah, the sea? City this by project? Sea, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so mm-hmm. you know, it's you know, and I'm 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 of Indian heritage, right? And I'm still I'm still making sure I am myself checking myself about what I'm doing. And it comes from education. And I think you know, it comes from collaboration. I think there's, look, there's no, I think there's, there's no easy answer to this um, question. There's no easy, and like, if we look at, I was talking something about, about news photography or photojournalism, you know, when you look at refu- like refugees um, and that, you know, so if, if, you, if, you have a, if you're a news photographer, there's no way around it. You're going to go to a news situation that has to be recorded. You can't, You know, it's happening in front of you. There's no, there's, you, it's black and white. You, you know, but I think if you're doing, if, but if you're if you're doing long form photography, you know, and you're in, and you're kind of spending time there, in lies the way where you can start to make work and educate and and you know, and, and change 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 the dynamic of how you're working, you know, and bring bring new ideas in. Is um do you you did a project uh, with refugees discarded fruit as I can see right yeah yeah so uh, um, tell me tell me a little bit about that so How did this, it come? okay so discarded fruit I mean came about because I I you know I was interested obviously um, with what's happening with with, with Syria um, and you know um, and also on a very on a very personal level so my wife was a refugee. And she okay. was a ref- mm-hmm. she was a refugee from refugee from Uganda. So in in 1971, you know, uh, Indians in Uganda were kicked out by uh, by Idi Amin, and you know they ended up in the UK and ended up in ended up in in America and um, and other places. And um, so this was in my head about this idea about Europe. So I was um I was asked to go to uh, Zatari refugee camp in in um, in Jordan. 
and 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 I I kind of like thought about this idea like you know how do I go to a location like this and how do I try to change the dynamic about when I'm there and so I took different cameras and I started making work there and then I I kind of purposely started using the passport camera because I was interested in the idea of this one democratic portrait and so so it was kind of evolving from there and then um what happened was that uh there's these two photographers who are working from America Ben Rasmussen and Michael Freeberg and and they were uh, yeah so they done something called by the olive trees and they were going to Saturday and uh, so so I so I reached out to them on Instagram I said oh yeah you know you guys are going there I said you know uh, they said, what, what what should we watch out for? You know, let us know. What, and so I had this conversation with them, and they became friends. And uh, and so then, and then um, what happened was that, so they managed to get a commission from VSCO, right? Mm-hmm, to get, mm-hmm. to get so oh, I think, yeah. six, six, six different photographers from around the world. To do crazy. That's crazy. I mean, right. uh, from, from this company, and they're getting commissioned to, to shoot refugee camps. That's yeah, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, okay. yeah. That, so they they were in, they were kind of like supporting artists. So I said to them, "I want to go work in Istanbul," and this is the idea. I said, "I want to I want to change the dynamics. I, I got different forms of this project. So I want to do a passport studio. I want to do a, a social studio. So the passport studio was to do with data and and how data is used. So we shot passport portraits there, and I brought the pictures back to the UK. And I, and I thought about them being data, not photographs, but data. And the idea of binary, you know, one and zero. So I put them through a high street UK passport machine. Does that make okay, sense to you? Yeah. Okay. So, well, the, so the idea is. Yeah, to, yeah, it makes sense. Yes, yeah. you make them biometrically sound for UK passports. And then we made them into collages because we wanted to make them visually uh, a, a nice to, for people to kind of be drawn in by the collage. But then, I but see, you I see, see, that's, that's yeah, the idea. Yeah. So when you look at it from afar away, it's like a, like a nice collage. but when you go closer, if you see all these pictures of the single single refugees, one by one by one, and they repeat themselves. So if it's a family, they'll be like the children. But it's, but that's to do with the binary code. You know, like in data, you have one zero, one zero. So it's, it's a play on people's mind. So that was another way to kind of challenge us viewing these pictures. And then I did some, some more NGO sort of work I was making. And they said, oh, you want to come to Sicily? So then, then, so they, t- then they took me to Sicily. Then I made the photographs of the still life of the houses i don't know if you've seen these ones they're they're on, on the uh, website. I, I have it in front of me i think okay yeah, so I got it in front of me so yeah the, so what they are is we went to a safe house and in the safe house there was these young young men like uh, from ivory coast coast ivory coast who were they couldn't go outside of their house right so they went to they went to they went to youtube and they learned how to make architectural models of houses and churches and mosques out of, car- out of cardboard. And so that we reached this house, man, and looked around and I thought, these guys made it, so I photographed those. So the idea is to challenge the prospect of how people look at refugees and migrants. You know, all these different aspects. And, you know, it's, it's called discarded fruit because the, the first picture I took at, at um, Zattery, the first, when I, when I started the project, was of the fruit on the floor that was, was rotting away, you know? And the idea of, like, you know, this, 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 this you know, sweetness and then it just gets chucked away, and and you know it's just a metaphor. So that the project is around. So I'm, I'm trying to you know it's, it's still good. I'm still continuing the project. I'm trying to expand it in a different way. Uh, you know I'm still interested. I'm, you know I want to you know I want to look at the Rohingya crisis. 
but I'm also interested in um, like uh, you know in South Korea, in 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 mm-hmm, Jeju, and yeah. there's an uncle Jeju that have Yemenese there, which are maybe having problems there, you know, because like it's interesting, like in South Korea, there are demonstrations against refugees, and it's like it's you know. It, it, no, I mean, really vociferous. So I'm interested, and but then also looking at like some place like Uganda, have taken loads of South Sud- have taken South Sudanese refugees. So this project is going to be ongoing. You know, I'm I'm trying to kind of continue uh, in the in the same in the same in the same complex of work. So you, it's going to be all in this discarded fruit complex, mm. or is yes, it going yeah. to be different different projects? Um, yeah. So they will. Yeah. They, they will. Yeah. They will all add in there. So I'll I'll still do like passport portraits. I still do details, and then and then you know when it comes to the final exhibition or whatever I'll do with it, I just edit from there and look at it. But you know, I at the moment it's just it's such a difficult subject to how do you you know so many different formats of photographing this and um, ideas, and I'm constantly thinking of new ideas how to how to, how to change the dynamic up a bit, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Has it has it a lot of has it a lot of you of you um, like experiencing the process and you know like like experimenting a lot to to find your own visual language there? You know, I think what's happened with me is that um, I I like we'd lost in the wilderness. I had to I had to put to bed like like Alex Sos and Lolo's guys because. You know, I and I still and I still love their work, and I, you know, it's it's phenomenal. But I needed to get that out of my system to kind of to kind of regenerate and start to look at new ways of working. And one of the things I found is that I work very with like intuitively. So you know, I'm 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 happy to experiment and try different things with my process because I I find it exciting, it energizes me um, to work, and also like work. You know, it's like also I think that's work like working with new people. So, like you know, City by the Sea. So that project is a it's a collaboration. I'm working with with this, with, 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 a, with a photo director called Emmanuel Perry, and so yeah, I've read it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so Emmanuel is actually her background. She studied fine art at the Sorbonne, you know, and curation and and different things, and so. You know, she, I found her kind of take on stuff really interesting. So she was away in Istanbul on a break, and then she sent me a message saying that Cal, you know, you should read this guy's book, and it's like Orman P- P- Pamak, his name is, and and he talks about Uzun, H U N Z U N. It's so it's a type of melancholy. Um, and I was like really taken by that. That somebody had written to me, like Emmanuel had written to me, saying you know you should look at this stuff. So when she came back from there, I said to her, you know, why don't you? collaborate with me on this why don't you talk about this process and so i'm working with her and she's she's you know she's not like overarching but she comes there she talks looks at the editing process she looks at the work she talks about what she sees in the work and i like the i like that process almost like giving away my picture so she's not present she's not present when you're when you're shooting there yeah yeah she's not present yeah yeah she's not present when i'm shooting in india she just you know I, I, i bring the work back she looks at it she puts the edit together, find what she finds interesting, and so it's a very it's a sharing process, and it, it, it's different. It's not. It's not. I, I don't think it's a usual process for photo directors to work that way. No, no, not at all. But that's that's kind of kind of radical as an approach. I think it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean. I, I mean, what I wonder, what I wanted to ask you um, when it comes to personal work. Um, mm. 
in looking looking for example at Nim and other stories, yeah. your, uh, this feels like a very personal project. So more more of an inward perspective on on yourself, yes. uh, rather than looking at the outside world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely, um, I mean, completely. Yeah, I mean, a guy like Christopher Anderson comes in mind, who who uh, used to be a war photographer and then uh, mm. looks looks at his son and his father in the book. So uh, is is it the same for you or? Well, I got, yeah. No, no, not at all. Mm. I think I, I think completely. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned uh, Chris Anderson. I've only met Chris mm. twice, and he probably doesn't even remember. But I know he, I know his wife Marion Moore, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but you know, the thing was that I. So ha- this is kind of like it's a weird kind of how this all came about, you know, in one sense. So Tim, so Tim Hetherington, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. was a friend of mine. When I first started photography, we came through the same thing. We were mates, da 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 da. Obviously, he passed away. Um, and then Chris Anderson, he was talking. Uh, he was talking to. I'd read this piece that Chris Anderson had written about Tim, and he was talking about you know the, the son, the son book, yeah, and about his family pictures. And Tim had said that you know this is a, like a love letter to your family, kind of you know sort of thing. And and I just thought to myself it was, so, it was such a wonderful thing, and I and I and I thought. You know what? This is on my, this is this is my life. I got two kids here. Why why aren't I photographing them? You know. So I started to just make pictures of my wife and my children, and just just so it's just literally it's something that I can do for myself. Record it, uh, and it is inward looking. You know. You know, my kids hate it sometimes. Like you know, why did you take that picture? Or you know, my wife is like, no, don't put that picture. No, you can't put that nude picture on on your website because all your all your family will look at it or whatever. You know, it's this thing. But it's a it's a meditation, and also there's no pressure, Ramon, on the project. I just I just make the work as I go along, you know. And if something happens, I get the cameras out, whether it's a film camera, whether it's a point and shoot camera, whatever I have, I just make the picture. So it's without without a certain purpose. So you just do it, and it's a it's a practice for you to yeah. to keep a diary. Or- yeah, 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 very much so. And it's just, it's good because, sorry, I mean, it's good because, you know what? These kids, like my daughter, my daughter's 18 now, right? And I was talking to oh, her wow. yesterday. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah, so I was talking to oh. her yesterday. We still remember the first day we bought her home. And and it's, it, and, and, and it's flown by, you know, I can't believe she's, she's going to be applying to university. And I said to myself, like, where's the time going? So, so these photographs, obviously, the same as everybody's family photographs, yeah, they provide yeah. that purpose. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, uh, for example, Chris Anderson's book. I mean, it, it's such a it's such a poem, you know. Oh, it's it is a, such, such a poem. A poem life, yeah, you know, life yeah. and death. Yeah. And, oh, it's, it's uh, absolutely and you never know beautiful. What happens to the lover. Yeah, it's I mean, super beautiful. But it's, it's 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 you know what? There's a with his even even in, in that work there. There's joy, but you can see the mm. melancholy in there as well. Mm. You know, they're, they're, I mean, they're, I see it in your work as well. I mean, I see it even in the Anglo-Afghan War. I see this melancholy and yeah, this, this longing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, I think that's that's why I probably I was trying to work out why I don't have a commercial agent, right? Because I don't have a commercial agent, and the thing is that uh, I think my my work is it carries that melancholy in there. It's like I, I don't know. You know, there is something within me that is there, and that. that and so, you know, when you come to that, if I bring it to the physicality, like the boxing, mm-hmm, the, bo- mm-hmm, the boxing mm-hmm. allows that to go. 
and that sounds not okay but, okay yeah you know because no 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 I, I, super relatable yeah yeah, yeah. i t totally get that i mean um I mean, looking at the sense of solitude or something and this, you know, this melancholy, I think it's embedded maybe in certain photographers, mm. I don't know, personality or something. It's, it's so, so much out there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, the thing is, I think, you know, like, and I think with all of us, I mean, we, we I think we all carry something, right? I mean, for me, I only, I, I only experience like death, like, like in terms of in terms of close death, only relatively recently. In terms of like time wise, like you know, like my I, you know, obviously Tim and Tim passed away, and then you know, there's a, there's another photographer um, I worked with called Tabiso Sagala. So uh, Tabiso, me, you know, me and Tabiso done the Brighton Biennial here, and we both worked in South Africa, and here, you know, and he was a wonderful young man, young photographer, uh, super talented, and he committed suicide, and I think that why that and that was kind of those are the points I started realizing that you know this this weight that we carry and how do you release it I don't know maybe the photography and the boxing allowed that but it, it definitely transcends and I've tried to I've tried to shoot happy pictures I guarantee you but I just <laughs> I, it doesn't it, it doesn't come about but I'm kind of I'm, I'm coming to terms with it I'm kind of happy with it you know that's me and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, is it transforming cool. right now? Are you, are you content-wise? Are you trying to? Uh, how, how's your um, evolution going on as a photographer? Um, what would you say? The, about that? The evolution is I'm coming to terms with who I am, and I'm and I'm I'm in, a, mm -hmm. I'm, in a, I'm in a happy place about the work I'm making because um, for a long time I was I was really angry and really upset about things like not getting commercial work, not having a commercial agent, and all of this stuff. And, you know, I don't know. I just realized that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm very lucky. I've, I, I get commissioned work. I make personal work, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm happy with that. I wish I, I wish I could earn a bit more money, but it's okay. It's good. I'm teaching at the moment as well. You know, I'm doing two days a week. Oh, two okay. You know, I'm, you know, I'm doing two different yeah. universities. And, you know, that, that's how it's ups and downs. But actually, you know, I, I what am I so... I put a funny enough. I put a picture today on of uh, of Charlotte, who's who was my assistant for my last job year. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, yeah. And the, so the Charlotte, I taught her two years ago at at university. I I, I taught her for taught her for twelve weeks. When she left university, she ended up assisting uh, a photographer called Niall O'Brien. And when Niall went to LA, he's gone to LA. So now she was assisting Linda Brownlee, and she's out there assisting some really good photographers and i thought to myself you know what that's great i've done a little a little something i managed to make happen <laughs> so you know i'm, bal I'm perfect yeah i'm balancing life man i'm just like you know it you know if anything you know i just if i can just earn enough money to then, then disappear make personal work keep that going i'm happy and then if you know if commercial work comes along it comes along you know um mm. i mean i've been there... blessed mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, let let me let me pinpoint that just a little by asking you. Um, I mean, obviously there is a sort of discrimination in in every forum and uh, when mm. it regarding women. And we had that before mm. uh, with uh, in the episode with Liz, uh, where I made a huge mistake. But anyway, um, uh, and and people of color. And um, what's your what's your point about this um, in the industry? In the industry, well, I, I would tell you from my point of view that when I was very, when I, 
when I was very angry before, I'm not angry anymore. I'm okay. I've, I've come to terms with it. So when I started, if like to be honest with you, if you think to yourself, Ramon, I want a World Press, I want a Eugene Smith Award, and I want other awards, yeah. I still couldn't get into an agency here, a photojournalism agency, until like uh, until Neil Burgess took me on, right? But up to that point, so anyway, I was upset about. It. And then with the commercial stuff, you know, uh, yeah, they need more black photographers or people of color. You can you can probably look at all you can look you can look at all the agents who are doing commercial commercial representation. I think CLM are very good. They've got some people of color on it, but but most of the others, not really, but. You know that's that's where we that's this is where we're at. And I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about this, and they said to me, "Where do we? Where's the line? You know, do we look at the idea that we, we people need to be represented, and these are businesses as well? So you know, it's I hope they look at that. It's good for their business that they, as well as representation, they should be doing it. But you know, um, what can I say to you, brother? You know, it it it, it 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 upset me. It made me angry. I got very frustrated and. And then I just let, but then I just let it all go. I thought, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 mean, I, I don't, I'm, I don't want, I don't want to burn my energy on that stuff. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, for obvious reasons, I can't really, you know, like like being a white male, I can't really, really talk about it from my perspective. Mm. But at least, I, I, I mean, let's get it out there at least in the podcast, mm. you know. And yeah, um, yeah. I, I think, I, I think you should. I think there should be more. Photographers of color being represented by commercial agencies because I tell you the the, the what it is basically down to is this economics. If you even if you are if you if, even if you are an artist right and you and you don't you know and, and you're not being born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you need money to live. That money is provided by com by collaborating with commercial organizations that allows you to then grow as an artist you know you can go out there and this is the thing if you look at if you look at the trajectory of white male artists young artists who are doing well they have commercial representation there that allows them the money and the support mm. to then reinvest yeah. that money into their personal practice yeah That's yeah it. right yeah you know yeah definitely just an equal play i mean field. i mean yeah, it's an equal play. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, but, you know, like coming from the perspective, like, for example, looking at the fashion industry right now, mm -hmm. I mean, the fashion industry might be one of the most exploitive, uh, <gasps> exploitive industries out there. Yeah. In, in every country, you know, I mean, we, uh, I mean, there's a further, um, there's a further responsibility that I think we have as photographers mm -hmm. or artists uh, to at least talk about these things that are happening, you know, yeah. like transcending these these simple talks of just equal rights and and look into our industry and see what's what's going on well, out there. Let's look at so. let's, yeah, but let's talk about fashion photography. There is definitely more diversity in front of the camera, right? So you see yeah, more right. people of color in yeah. front in front of the camera. But what about behind the camera? You've got a few people that said yes, you know, like Tyler, what's her name? We done the Vogue cover. There's a few people getting, but but on the whole, the people behind the camera and the people running the show. Are all white, but but the people at the agents are all white. The you know the photographers are all white. So how can you think that if you and I go and I go back to the South African model, yeah, you know, like you're getting you're getting lots of white South African photographers who are shooting lots of fashion images of black people, and they're getting the credit for it in the West and all the way and and you know 
those you know the, the the black photographers there are getting nothing and it's this is the economics you know allows that if you're if you're white south african generally you have some money you can travel you can do all the stuff you can do but if you're black south african it's very difficult and you're not going to get the same exposure and i think across the fashion industry that has to has to change i mean it will it will change yeah no I, i i have faith that it will change because i think the uh, you know, I'm seeing new talent. You know, there's a there's a young photographer here called Adam Jalola. She's she's kind of fantastic. You know, the the guy I photographed today, his name is Hassan Hajaj. He's 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 older than me, but he is like he comes from this the tradition of North African photography. You know, studio photography, and you know, and he, and you know, I was talking to him. He goes, me, you know, he goes, this young generation will change things, uh, and it will change. It just needs. It needs what you're saying now that we need to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, that's that was that was a great, great, great talk, Carl. It My was God, like, no. yeah, I. I <laughs> no, it, it. It's, uh, <laughs> no, I don't edit it this no, time. No, I no. just don't edit it. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. No, I mean, I think you asked some really pertinent questions. I'm really glad you asked them because it's it's a it's, it's a topic that it's, it's it's sensitive to everybody. But I think the more we talk about it. The better it is, but but I, but you're in Berlin, right? Or you in no, Hamburg? I'm in Frankfurt. You're in Frankfurt. No, in Frankfurt. Oh, yeah, we did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. The town nobody talks about. <laughs> hey, listen, I've been to Frankfurt. Then, I, I came to Frankfurt. I've been there. Yeah, you passed through. You passed through, right? Passed You've been through. at the airport. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I I came to photograph the guy. There's Deutsche oh, really? Bank. Deutsche Bank's there, right? Oh, yeah, they are. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a whole matter. Cal, Cal, I mean, we can talk about that for uh, for ages. Another one, yeah, I'm sure we can. Next time, but I'm going to come. Up, you, so when you're in London, come visit. I'll come visit you in Germany. Definitely, definitely. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in London soon. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely hook you up. I, Please, it would be a I mean, pleasure. Absolutely. All right, Ramon. Lovely hearing from you. Great. Hey. Take care. Oh, lovely to you. Thank you for your time and uh, take care. Yeah. Brilliant. Take care of yourself. Cheers, mate.